It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Here's the Bills' latest pick. With the ninth pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Ed Oliver, defensive tackle, Houston. Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. Tredavious White, defensive back, LSU. Jermaine Edmonds, linebacker, Virginia Tech. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Thursday to you. I hope you are getting ready for a long weekend with Memorial Day on Monday and that you find some rest and enjoy uh, the outdoors, a cookout of some sort, maybe. Um, I'm personally heading to Pennsylvania this weekend. Got a good friend of mine getting married. You may have heard of him, Kyle Krabs, one of my co-workers from the Draft Network and uh, obviously my co-host with the Draft Dudes podcast. So uh, if you can't get enough of me here on Locked On Bills, I do host another daily podcast that covers the NFL Draft every day called Draft Dudes. It's also on the Locked On Podcast Network, so you can check that out. In fact, you can check out Locked On Bills on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Bills, and you can listen to this podcast hands-free. Uh, so make sure you check out Himalaya, super cool new app that exists for podcasts. And uh, you can catch Draft Dudes and Locked On Bills on both of those medians. Looking forward to next week on the podcast. We're going to have Twitter Tuesday. So make sure you get your Twitter Tuesday items in. You can send those in to me on Twitter at the Joe Marino is my handle. And the hashtag is Twitter Tuesday. Also, you can send me an email. Joe at the Draft Network dot com is a spot to send in your emails, which several people do each week. So feel free to hit me up there. Uh, that way we can get to your items. So fill that show up with outstanding topics like you always do. Maybe you have a question about the Bills, the NFL, college football, anything you like. We'll get into it at your request. You dictate the conversation next Tuesday. So make sure you get in those items for me to discuss. Uh, today on the podcast, I want to reflect on some things. You know, we've we've got the Jerry Hughes contract extension to talk about. We've got uh, the the first OTA session to reflect on the information we were able to learn from that. We've learned about some injuries, and uh, I, hopefully, I can provide some good perspective on these items today and and uh, 
and get caught up because I know we have our kind of our normal programming with Twitter Tuesday and Water Cooler Wednesday, and sometimes that doesn't give me the opportunity to react instantaneously to some of this stuff. And so I want to catch up today here on this podcast. And first things first, this Jerry Hughes contract extension, he signed a two-year extension worth up to $23 million. That includes $19.5 million guaranteed. And I could not be happier about this. You've heard me say about a billion times on this podcast that the Bills edge rusher concerns exist not only this year, but in the future, because past this year, it was Trent Murphy under contract, Mike Love, and Daryl Johnson, the seventh round pick from this year. And, uh, you know, the Bills was, were potentially going to lack a true dynamic edge rusher, and they ensured that they would have one, <laughs> at least one, uh, for 2020 by retaining for Jerry Hughes for what I think is a very reasonable contract. He's 30 years old. And, uh, you know, there's so many good things to say about Jerry Hughes. I'll start with the fact that uh, since he's been on the Bills, he's never missed a game. One, two, three, four, five, six for six consecutive seasons for the Bills. He's played in all 16 games. The last five seasons, he started all 16 games reliable as they come. In fact, if you go back to 2012, he started, he played in all 16 games for the Colts as well. So this dude has not had problems with injuries. He's been available and he's made an impact. And he's still, even though he's 30, he is still making a major impact. Last season, in fact, according to NFL's next gen statistics, he had the highest pressure rate of any pass rusher in the NFL that had at least 350 pass rush snaps. 16.2% of the time, Jerry Hughes got pressure on the quarterback that he rushed. Number one in the NFL. Higher than Khalil Mack, 14.1%. Higher than Aaron Donald, also at 14.1%. Higher than Von Miller, 13.9%. Name the pass rusher. Jerry Hughes got pressure on the quarterback more often than they did last year at a higher percentage. Jerry Hughes, yeah, he only had, he quote-unquote only had seven sacks last year. But I've, I've talked to you about the reason why that was true. Jerry Hughes gets consistent pressure. I just proved that to you with that statistic. The problem with Jerry Hughes and why he didn't get more than seven sacks last year and for several seasons here recently, he hasn't hit that uh, that magic mark of, of double-digit sacks. It comes down to not having complimentary rush. And I think that's going to be better this year with Ed Oliver. But how many times last year did you watch the Bills play defense? And it's a passing down. And you're hoping that they get a sack. And Jerry Hughes comes and he beats his man off that right edge. And then that quarterback just steps up in the pocket or that quarterback just rolls right and, and, and completely ruins the pass rushing ability of Jerry Hughes. 16.2% of the time, the highest percentage of the league, Jerry Hughes gets pressure on the quarterback. Now with Ed Oliver in, in the mix, hopefully that creates more pressure in the face of the quarterback that starts to affect that quarterback from multiple directions and and it forces them to not be able to move and it really gets them stuck in one spot that's going to create more 
finishes, more sacks for Jerry Hughes. But I still think the big concern is who's coming off that left edge that's going to be consistently getting home and consistently being in their rush lane and consistently holding that pot, that quarterback in the pocket so that Ed Oliver and so that Jerry Hughes can finish and give you those 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 pass rush stats that everybody wants. Remember when the Bills had pass rush coming from all directions and it was Mario Williams and it was Jerry Hughes and it was Kyle Williams and Marcel Darius? There was nowhere for those quarterbacks to go. Remember those years with Jim Swartz? Those guys had nowhere to go. And that's what that's where you get those double digit sacks. When you've guys you've got guys from multiple spots arriving at the quarterback and and creating impossible situations for the quarterback to flee. Jerry Hughes is a premier pass rusher in the NFL. And to make sure he's signed for two more seasons for what I think is a very reasonable amount of money, $19.5 million guaranteed, uh, worth up to $23 million, that is a, a, a bargain in my opinion. So I absolutely, absolutely love this deal. And I think I've outlined why he's consistent, he's available, and he makes a big impact on the field. So, uh, and, and he fills a big need, right? Edge rusher is, is super important in the NFL, and I still think the Bills have to get better there. But Jerry Hughes retaining one of the best pass rushers in the league and Jerry Hughes is a big step in making sure that that can be an area of, of not as much concern moving forward. I still think they need a guy opposite of him that can truly make an impact. Also, Jerry Hughes defends a run. I mean, I, I know talking about run defense isn't necessarily the most sexy thing, but Jerry Hughes is a complete football player that rushes the passer and does his work in the run game, maintaining a firm edge, squeezing gaps, and really being consistent in that area as well. So uh, a two-year extension for Jerry Hughes. He'll be uh, signed uh, through 2021. So that's great news. And and that trade, God bless it, uh, Ryan Grigson traded Jerry Hughes. He was the general manager of the Colts, who's <laughs> has had a laughable resume. But one of the, uh, the lowlights of his tenure as – the general manager of the Colts was trading away Jerry Hughes three years into his career to the Buffalo Bills for Calvin Shepard, who somehow still manages to make rosters, but he's never been a preferred starter for any team. So the Bills win that trade very clearly, and you, you, you feel really good about this for Jerry Hughes, who has now signed two contract extensions uh, for the Bills since the Bills traded for him and gave up only Calvin Shepard. I want to dig into some of the injury information that surfaced at Sean McDermott's press conference on Tuesday of this week. But before I do, remember to get this show every day by subscribing to Locked On Bills on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Bills. Be right back after this to dig into this injury bug that has seemingly hit the Bills. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, so Sean McDermott took to the podium on Tuesday, and it was like, please start over because you just named a bunch of really important players who have an injury that we didn't know about until this very moment, and I want to talk about it. So let's recap here. Cole Beasley and Mitch Morse did not practice. Uh, They both underwent surgery recently for core muscle procedures, tight end Tyler Croft, this was the big one, suffered a broken foot in practice on Monday, and we've learned that he's having surgery, and it's likely that he'll miss three to four months. I'm going to talk a lot about that more here in just a second. Frank Gore had a foot injury and an ankle injury, so he didn't practice. David Sills, the wide receiver, was limited with a hamstring. I know TJ Yeldon had a groin, and then Teron Johnson and Raphael Bush were non-contact participants, and then Russell Bodine was still coming off of his off-season shoulder injury, so he didn't practice. Um, and we'll we'll dig into this Tyler Croft thing a little bit more here, but one guy that did participate fully, Matt Milano, linebacker. Get excited, man. I think he's so good. I think Matt Milano is just a freaking star linebacker in the NFL, and to hear that he's already a full participant was music to my ears. So uh, while all this other information that I just shared with you was not good, knowing that Matt Milano is full go right now is really, really great. I'm not overly concerned about any of those injuries. Maybe the Tyler Croft thing, which I'll talk about more in a second, but all that other stuff, I don't think it's very prohibitive. Obviously, this time of year, it's still May. You're not going to force guys into situations. You're going to make sure that they're healed. It's the NFL. It's a contact sport. It's a violent sport. Guys get injured. And making sure that you're not rushing guys back, especially in May, uh, is very important. So I'm not going to get overly concerned. The the one that if you were going to get concerned, it would be the Tyler Croft news, who uh, you know he broke his foot. The same foot he broke last year. So he played. He, he started five games last year for the Bengals. He, he broke his foot and missed the rest of the year. And then it's not but May of the next year that he breaks his foot again and he's going to be out for three to four months. Not great. Not the information we were hoping to hear. He's probably going to be the Bills' starting tight end. And that was the plan. The Bills gave him a decent contract to be that guy. Now, there's a lot of panic I feel like on the Twitterverse, I follow a lot of Bills fans on Twitter and interact and certainly keep track of everything. I feel like everyone's really panicking over this Tyler Croft news. It's not ideal. I'm not, I recognize that. But I'm not going to panic. There's been articles published that the Bills should go after Kyle Rudolph with the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, if it's for a fifth or a sixth round pick or something like that, sure, fine. Yeah, I'm good with it. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not panicking. All right. Here's the deal. The Bills' tight end situation was always not that great. All right, the Bills signed Lee Smith, who's 
a rosterable tight end, certainly one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. He's not going to give you that dynamic ability as, as a pass catcher, but he can handle the basic duties. They drafted Dawson Knox in the third round. They drafted Tommy Sweeney. Jason Kroom returns. There's enough bodies here. I mean, we were figuring out who's going to make the football team. Let's say Tyler Croft doesn't even play this year, which he's going to. He'll be ready probably within the first quarter of the season to play. You still have Kroom. You still have Dawson Knox. You still have Tommy Sweeney. You still have Lee Smith. The tight end position, even with Tyler Croft, this year was never going to be a strength for this football team. And you got a, a plus blocker in Lee Smith. You've got Jason Kroom, who made some plays in the passing game. And you've got a couple of young rookies and Dawson Knox, who's insanely athletic, the most athletic of the group. And Tommy Sweeney, who I think is the most boringly solid tight end, that is a player that I think, even though he was a seventh-round pick, he can come in and help this football team right away if he has to because he has a balanced skill set as a blocker and he catches the football cleanly. He's not dynamic in terms of athletic ability, and that really does limit his ceiling as a receiver. But he can handle those basic duties. I'm not panicking over this tight end situation. And the reason why is it was never likely to be a strength this year and even if Tyler Croft were lost for the entire season it was still not going to be a strength so the panic button you put it in front of me I knock it right out of here because I'm not that concerned now you feel good about the depth right we I talked about this just like in the last couple weeks I said there's going to be come situations here in the coming weeks and months that you're going to be really happy that the bills are deep at certain positions and they're able to withstand injuries. And obviously, Tyler Croft, he's new to the offense. You want him to be in tune with Josh Allen and, and certainly taking advantage of all this offseason opportunity to develop that chemistry. And I'm not going to try to minim- minimize uh, the importance there. I'm just telling you that I'm not panicking. All right, so all these other guys, I think they're going to be ready to go. I'm obviously swooning about Matt Milano being ready to go. Um, a couple other notes that I, I took away from the recaps and stuff that I, I certainly follow probably all the same people you do on Twitter. And so I thought there's two notable things when you talk about who was lining up where. Uh, first of all, the first team offensive line, which is something we've talked a lot about here on this podcast and something that I've been fascinated with, how the Bills were going to manage this. And it was especially interesting because, you know, uh, Mitch Morse, the one thing we knew, right, he's going to be the starting center. He, he wasn't available. So the first group that stepped onto the field was left tackle Deion Dawkins, left guard Spencer Long, center was John Feliciano, right guard Quentin Spain, and right tackle Ty Secchi. Interesting that, Ty, uh, that uh, Feliciano is the first guy at center. I think this speaks to two things. Number one, they, that he does truly give position flex. He can play center and guard. And when you're talking about your – your rosterable interior offensive lineman, that versatility is going to matter. And, and I've talked about this with guys like Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller is a guard only. And it was Spencer Long and it's John Feliciano that give you that position flex. So Wyatt Teller, the way I see it right now, he's got a he's got an uphill climb to make this roster because Spencer Long, John Feliciano, Quentin Spain, all ahead of him. And two of those guys can snap. And plus you have Mitch Morse as your starting center. I, I, I don't know 
that we should be really thinking about Wyatt Teller having. I think he, I, what I want to say there is I think he's got a challenging climb to make this roster. Deion Dawkins getting the first look at left tackle, I think, says something. Um, obviously, he's been the starter there for, for two years now. Um, but in the down year last year and certainly bringing in Ty Inseki and drafting Cody Ford kind of complicated that situation. But seeing Ty Inseki getting that first crack at right tackle um, speaks to their belief that he can play that spot. I know Cody Ford was a second-round pick, and everyone's excited about him and him potentially being you know, uh, an immediate starter there on the right side. But the fact that Ty Inseki uh, Ty got the first crack at right tackle, Deion Dawkins got the first crack at left tackle, I think it says something. I understand it's May. We don't need to read too much into it. Sean McDermott said that to us uh, repeatedly in, in, the, in, the, in the press conferences, basically affirming that, hey, there are no depth charts in May. But um, I think that you can read into this a little bit and give, take away some philosophy type stuff. I mean, even on the defensive side of the ball, my understanding is the first two defensive tackles through were Star Latule and Jordan Phillips. I think we all expect for Ed Oliver to claim that starting three tech spot, but he wasn't there yet. And certainly Cody Ford didn't immediately take those right tackle spots. So we didn't learn everything, but. Uh, I think we got some clues and we got some some nuggets here about that versatility on the interior offensive line and that Ty Inseki getting those first reps at right tackle just affirms that Cody Ford, he has to earn his spot. And the left tackle thing looks like Deion Dawkins is getting that first chance to win that left tackle job. At cornerback, Levi Wallace was uh, the first cornerback on the field opposite of Trey White. Uh, and the second group was Kevin Johnson and EJ Gaines. So it certainly looks like Levi Wallace is stepping in, coming in as the, the penciled-in starter, and it's his spot to lose based on what we know right now. We'll monitor this, of course, uh, throughout the, the coming months and weeks here as, as we get ready for week one uh, against the New York Jets. But it looks like right now Levi Wallace has the first opportunity to uh, – claim that that job opposite of Trey White so I thought thought those were the biggest takeaways from what we learned about OTAs now I know Monday and Wednesday we didn't we didn't get any information at all right it was it was pretty much that Tuesday session that uh where where stuff was was you know there was media availability and the media was able to watch practice so we got some nuggets there but by and large there's there's a lot we don't know from uh the session so We'll, we'll keep monitoring things, talking about it here as the weeks go on. And, and of course, again, the buildup to the start of the 2019 football season. That's going to do it for us today here on the podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya podcast, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Tell your smart device to play podcasts locked on bills. So subscribe, make sure you share the podcast rate review all that stuff really really helps and i certainly appreciate it get those twitter tuesdays in and uh, we'll catch up with you guys again next time this is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design the kind of experience you can only find in a lexus suv a feeling this empowering is invite only fortunately you're invited Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.